all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Hello. I'm Rachel. And I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. All right, so housekeeping. Before we get started, I realized that virtually every episode we forget to say the basic, like, rate, review, rescribe. I said it again. You did it again. I did it again. Subscribe. Rate, rate, review, rescribe. Rate, review, rescribe. It would be so much easier if it was three R's, (laughs) but it's not. (laughs) Please rate review, subscribe, follow us on all the social meds so you can watch the fascinating um, pictures and videos like I posted of me opening a beer can tonight. <laughs> or of our cats. <laughs> or of the cats, yes. There's a very That's cute funny. one of them playing catch. Usually the cats yes. is what you're going to see. Oftentimes the cats. Um, some shout outs uh, to um, Jennifer at Disaster Area Podcast. Okay. Um, a uh, a new listener uh, came to us because of her mention, so that was very wonderful. Very nice. And so definitely listen to Jennifer. Listen to Disaster Area. She she covers more than we do because we're we've been pretty like um, said that we're not going to delve into crime. She does sometimes. Sure. So like um, mass shootings and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, a lo- very timely topic right now. So she, she's she got a... <laughs> very timely topic for the past 25 years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sadly. And it is it is a disaster. So obviously. Yes, it is. So, um, so yeah, definitely listen to um, Disaster Area. Also, a sh- another shout out as usual to our Corpus Delecti girls, Jen and Lindsay. Um, they ran our promo, which was very nice of them. Yes. Um, so shout out to them. As always, blood on the rocks, huh? Not the bloody rocks. Blood on the rocks with our boy Akshay, who we should have um, a fun bit of news to tell you about a little something we're doing with Akshay soon. So that sounded weird, but <laughs> just a little bit. That's a little okay. bit, yeah. Anyway, more on that to come. But um, stay tuned. Stay tuned. And shout outs to our listener Lexi, who's always great about. I don't know. It's nice to see you know people liking things on Facebook, and Lexi's a good, good, reliable. She's, I like it. She's a good Facebook liker. She is a good Facebook liker, and um, to our new listener Alex, who gave us a little rundown. Do you remember when we did? I think it was our second episode, the Cavalese cable car disasters. Mm-hmm. And do you remember our stealth aircraft? Thing. Do you do you remember that one? No, that? I don't. So I, I think we did it like twelve times or something. <laughs> the because the planes that spoiler alert snapped the um, line of the second uh, car disaster. Um, we, they were flying low, and we were like, "Oh, they must have been like stealth aircraft." And we kept going, "Stealth aircraft." I do not remember that at all. <laughs> it was a while ago. It was I mean, that was a long time ago. A year ago, so recorded it. Yeah, and, like nine months ago. Something and like just that. as almost just as long since I've listened to it. So right. I, but it is our highest listened to it episode. Is. I think it is. It hit yeah. a thousand. It did. Like last week. Yeah. 
Um, anyway, <laughs> he very kindly corrected us that they're not stealth aircraft. <laughs> they're radar jammers, which makes a lot of sense of why they would fly low. Sure. So thank you, Alex, for being smarter than we are. <laughs> we like smart <laughs> listeners. <laughs> you help us a lot. We don't. We do not mind it at all if you correct us. No, we, no. We'd rather we be, need to be corrected. We'd rather be right than, frequently. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then this is pretty awesome. So Quincy who um, introduced himself to us last week on Facebook, uh, tagged us in a very interesting picture, and I'm going to read what all this says in here. Okay. Um, On Twitter. So he went to, I believe it's called James Avery, and I guess he's, I had to look him up, he's a jewelry designer. Okay. Um, And I guess he went to, like, his store. Um, Quincy went to his store, and... There are two notes, as you can see here, and you can go to Twitter to see this, but um, it's uh, at All Bad Things Pod. Ha! Remembered to say it. Um, it's like a little jewelry display with some, like, bracelet charms or something, like, hanging, and then two notes. Let me read the notes to you. So the first one is uh, handwritten in a woman's handwriting. It says, Rick Husband is the commander of STS-107. Do you remember what STS-107 is? Hang on, that was that was the Columbia. Yeah, that was the space shuttle. Yeah, that was the space shuttle pilot. Yes, he was the commander. Yeah, mm-hmm. he is a committed Christian and is flying two James Avery pieces, meaning this guy's jewelry, for our family, a cross for his mother-in-law, and a silver shuttle charm for his daughter Laura. STS-107, launched January 16th, is scheduled to land February 1st. God bless you, Evelyn Husband, as in his wife. Yeah. And then next to it is a handwritten note by James Avery that said, This cherished note I received from Evelyn Husband, who was in our Baybrook store in Houston, written to me just two days before the Columbia spacecraft burned upon reentry. Oh, man. So she she visited the store and just left this nice little note, you know, hey, your your work is up in space with our with our husband and our father, you know, to mm-hmm. my, my daughter's his, father. And his name and is husband. His name is husband, <laughs> yes. Um and um and we're looking forward to him coming home. Oh god. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, it was, I, I, uh... It's just, it's those little things. I know. I, I think is This was my more, response. Uh, it's an Oprah crying <laughs> Yes, gift. it is. Because, yeah. One of many, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> the Oprah crying Yes, there's many Oprah crying gifts. <laughs> <laughs> there's an Oprah gift for every occasion. <laughs> but that was, that was real. Thank you for sharing that, Quincy. That's, that's amazing and really sad. And, but... Really nice of her to have shared that, and, and, and nice of James Avery to have shared that. If we ever get around to doing the Challenger, which I'm, I'm sure mm-hmm. we will at some point. Um, oh, yes, that's going to be a multi-parter. Uh, I know somebody very well who has a very personal connection to the Challenger. Really? Should we leave yes. it at that we'll leave for it now? At that. Oh, yes. that's if very we ever, If we ever get around to doing we that are. one, I will we definitely... We are. That's a big one. I will definitely share what that connection is, because okay. it's, pretty, it's pretty significant. Okay. Wow, I didn't know that. Okay. I'm intrigued now. Um, shall we share what our fuel for tonight's episode is? Yes, and I need it. <laughs> <laughs> You've been working very hard lately. It's been a long week. Yes, it has. At work again. And uh, so tonight, Rachel made a trip to Durham. 
I did, but I actually got those at um, pharmacy. Oh, okay. Well, that works too. Shout out to pharmacy and carry our bottle shop, neighborhood bottle shop. Shout out to Derm. And to Derm, yes. Derm. <laughs> Derm. <laughs> I was in Derm too. For, uh, for, for, for the listeners that don't know, uh, Raleigh is, well, where we are, 15 miles away from Durham. Yeah, yeah. So, so you have two pretty big, well, three pretty big sized cities. Carrie's pretty big too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so we live in what's called the Triangle, which is referred to as Raleigh, Cary, Durham. No, it's Raleigh, well, Durham, Chapel, Chapel Hill. Hill. But also Cary can be thrown in there as well. I guess. Then it would make it a square. Yes. <laughs> the square triangle. Or a very wonky square. Anyway, so this is a beer from a Durham brewery called Full Steam, and this is Coffee is for Closers, mm-hmm. which is also a line in a, in a very famous movie. Some of Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. I was going to say, some of you out there may have seen it, some may have not. I have not seen it, but I've heard of it, and you've told me about that one. I'm sure I've showed you that scene on YouTube, probably. I, I, think, yeah. I think I've seen like snippets of it, yeah. But uh, this is an excellent beer. One of my favorites. One that I can't have. Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. And one that I really need tonight. <laughs> you need some coffee. <laughs> I need some coffee. Well, mine is a... I was very excited to find this at Pharmacy. A new Birdsong beer. We very much enjoy Birdsong out of Charlotte. Um, And this is called Turtles on Pterodactyls. Okay. It's a funny little little artwork. Yes, I do. (laughs) Very fun and very funny. And that is most likely a song. They they do name a lot of stuff Most of their beers are named... Our song titles. Here, you have to taste this. Okay. This this is actually pretty amazing. It's different. Yeah. Do you what like is, it? Is it I'm, different good to you? I think it's diff- different good, but I know we have different tastes too. It is definitely different. I. It I probably really takes like some getting it. used to, but what kind of beer is it? It's it's a bourbon barrel aged oh, stout. Oh, okay. I taste like almost cinnamon or something in it. There's definitely a sweetness to it. Mm-hmm. That, kind of catches you uh listen to us we're becoming the i know uh, we're the the beer snob podcast <laughs> yeah, we are the beer snob podcast <laughs> we, we, we were currently smoking cigarettes <laughs> clove cigarettes clove cigarettes that or are no our, our vape <laughs> <laughs> no no we're doing the clove cigarettes but we've got like the plastic tip to make oh it look like, <laughs> the holder <laughs> but it's a clove cigarette instead as we talk about our beers <laughs> oh mine's from charlotte <laughs> mine's from durham <laughs> But this is an eight percenter, so things should get really fun tonight. Things will get interesting. Yes. Yes. All right. So shall we move on? So we're no longer at the beer snob podcast or the tickly podcast or the or the inane banter inane podcast. B- oh, that ship has sailed. <laughs> so, all right. I it, give got, you. He got in again. The cat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just be quiet. <laughs> um. So I gave you some hints as to tonight's um podcast or mm-hmm. topic do you remember no okay <laughs> um this is the first of its kind tragedy for us so a new I remember type. you saying that mm-hmm. but i and a new country and potentially i meant to check this but potentially a new continent for us i'm not positive okay can you narrow it down based on that uh well here's the funny thing i know we've done antarctica so yeah, because of the, because of the plane um, crash. The, yes. Uh, um, which is like our second yes. or third highest listened to episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember mm. the name of that one. Erebus, Mount Erebus. Yes, mm-hmm. that's the one. And yep. that was also Australia. By, True, and I was, it was just New going Zealand, to say. So, um, so that's that continent. We, we've done China, so that's Asia. Have we, We've done Europe. Have we've we done not? North America. We've done Asia, or um, Africa. 
South America. South America. I can't I think of anything have... we've done in South America. I meant to look I back, but... I don't think so. Okay. Interesting. So, we're visiting South America. Oh. Huh. Well, no. Uh, well, no. You're right. What were you thinking? I was thinking the. I was. I was thinking the earthquake because it affected parts oh, of South America. Oh, yes, it did. Yes, but it wasn't Central America, which exactly. is North America. So, yeah. yeah, the Mexican earthquake. Yeah. Yes. No, this is La Tragedia de Vargas, otherwise called the Vargas Tragedy. Okay. All right. Between December fourteenth. And December 16th, 1999, thousands, we'll get into more specific numbers later, thousands of residents of the Vargas state of Venezuela died when torrential rains and flash floods caused, caused massive debris and mudslides. Oh, man. Or landslides, debris sure. slides. The, the, um, we'll get into that a little bit. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of earth being dragged up and coming towards you. At a, at a very oh. quick pace, yes. Oh, so this okay. is our first this, landslide slash mudslide slash debris mm-hmm. flow slide. So, yes. And it's terrible. So... Uh, so we're talking about Venezuela, like I said, first time visiting South America that we can both remember anyway. Um, so Vargas... Please hmm? go back and check for us. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Just have somebody... Yeah, we'll, we'll, take <laughs> all, we'll take all the listens we can get. Yeah, there you go. Vargas is one of the 23 states of Venezuela. I had no idea Venezuela was divided into states, states but yeah... Know. Interestingly. Makes sense. A lot of places, a lot of countries are. Yeah, or provinces mm-hmm. or other, <coughs> excuse me, sort they're, of delineations. They're divided into areas. Yeah, yeah. In one form or another. And sometimes even like, <coughs> oh, excuse me, um, cities are divided into parishes, things like that. So, yeah. Um, it is a coastal state because Venezuela is on the extreme north end of uh, South, South America. America. And Vargas is... In the east to west, pretty much in, in the center of, um, of Venezuela, but on the coast. So extreme north, and then east to west, it's pretty central. Okay. So it's co- a coastal area that borders the Caribbean Sea. I was just going to so say, right it sounds like it's not too far from the Caribbean. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Not far at all. No, in fact, I think it's... Um, was it Grenada that go- kind of curves down from the, the Caribbean? Yeah, that yeah. area is- I, I shouldn't even try but it. But it sounded like from where, because I know the Caribbean is mm-hmm. close to the northern part of, yes, of South America. Yes, of South America, yeah. So. Mm-hmm. And that's where Venezuela is, yes. Um, now, most people have heard of Caracas, Venezuela, yes. which is mm-hmm. the capital of Venezuela. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and Vargas is just north of Caracas. So for what it's worth, if that gives any context. Um, so Vargas has... Caracas was a plot point in the movie 12 Monkeys. One of my favorite science fiction films. Of yeah, all time. I didn't like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> if we have any, At all. if we have any younger listeners out there, like younger meaning you're in your twenties, that movie is probably about as old as you are. Check it out. And no, yes. don't worry about it. It's it's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> it so is though. <laughs> so Vargas has ocean coastline to the north, so it borders the ocean, obviously, and to the south. It's bordered by the eastern part of the, or in the eastern part of Vargas. It, the, um, to the south is the Cordillera de la Costa Central. 
the central range of mountains. There's mountains to the immediate south. Sure. So, and if you, like, Google pictures of Vargas, you're going to find a lot of pictures of the landslide and all that devastation, but just the actual geographic area, it's pretty breathtaking because, I'm sure. like, you look one yeah. direction and it's just beautiful ocean. That's you turn around and it's gorgeous mountains. mountains. Yeah. yeah. And it's lush looking and green. No, and I'm sure. So blue on one side, green on the other, the coastline, like, it, it's just geographically really cool um so vargas was named for jose maria vargas who was an eye surgeon and served as the president of venezuela for about eight months between august 1835 and april 1836 when he resigned and he was the first non-military president in venezuela yeah that's that's especially pretty rare going back that far yeah. in time. Mm-hmm. Back that far in time, pretty much every man served in the military yeah. in some form or fashion. Right? Well, probably because he was, I would guess, because he was a surgeon, because he was a doctor. But usually he could have been one through the military. That's, that's true. Yeah, that's true. So, but that's that's kind of amazing that he never served yeah. back at that time. So just before this tragedy, Vargas was still part of the district of Caracas and not its own independent state. It was part of Caracas, and so it was part, it kind of went through different um, changes of independence throughout the years. So in 36, it was technically just part of Caracas, um, but then it became the Vargas Department, so 1936. And then in 88, 1988, it became its own municipality. And then in the 90s, there was a lot of calls for um, Vargas to become its own state, its own independent state. And so in 1998, President Rafael Caldera made Vargas the 23rd state of Venezuela. So literally just like a year before this all happened, Vargas got its independence as a state. In Venezuela. That's interesting. Yeah, I thought that was, I thought it kind of was. I try to learn a little bit about the background before just saying, oh, and then everything went to shit. Especially (laughs) countries that don't get covered all too often, either by us or by regular media. Yeah, yeah. Plenty of people know things about Europe, Japan, Australia, but like Venezuela, you're like, what do you even know about Venezuela? Yeah, like (laughs) what, what comes to your mind when you think of Venezuela? South America. Yeah. I mean, really, that's... Uh, uh, yeah. That's yeah. about Same it. Same here. Yeah. Um, no, so, now it's going to be 23 states, and, uh, and this area is on the coast, and behind it is mountains. Yeah, there you go. So that's pretty cool. I, I'm, I'm thinking we should go there after they clean all this up. Well, this was in 99. Know, I was, so. I was <laughs> Hopefully they've done it by now. Yeah. Well, we'll get into that. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Mm. All right. Vargas is technically considered a minor state in the country, but it has one of the two main seaports in Venezuela, since it's a coastal town or a coastal area, and is where the Venezuela's main airport is. Simon Bolivar Internet, sorry, Simon Bolivar International Airport. Probably a lot of tourism too, I would guess. Yes, yes, because so of how nice bringing, the topography. They're bringing is. in a lot of cash, so they're. Yes. They're, they're an economic stronghold. Yes. And it's pretty densely populated for the, the area that's um, uh, habitable. Like, as of 2010, there were 340,000 people in the Vargas state. Okay. So, in general, Vargas is considered a... Now, here's a piece of terminology you'll remember. Semi-arid oh, environment. Yeah, very recent. <laughs> yeah. Like, like in the Dust Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. 
The temperatures are actually incredibly stable throughout the year. Um, like barely deviating highs, like stay between 80 and 85 the entire year. So super moderated. I'm guessing that has to do with the ocean and the mountains. Sure. Like that it just helps keep everything super stable. Um, and now 80 to 85 Fahrenheit. So that's like 27 to 30 Celsius for those who don't speak American. Eh? Oh yeah. However... Vargas does have a history of flooding and mudslides. This wasn't like the first mudslide or landslide ever. Um, Specifically, since the 1600s, there have been at least two large magnitude landslides, mudslides, debris flow type events each century. So, like, if you averaged it out every 50 years, something this bad has kind of happened in this Kind of like with earthquakes in America. We, we have a yeah. big one about every 50, 60 years, yeah. like, in that... Yeah, well, certainly, like, um, well, what, San Francisco had, like, the one in 1919 or something like that, and then the other one in 89, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, a couple of century, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, before this event in 1999, the last major mud flow dis- or landslide disaster had been in 1951, so... Like, pretty so much almost exactly 50 years. years. later. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Um, between that event and this event, this event in 99, though, the population had experienced a huge growth. Sure. So that, uh, obviously... Risk. Yes, and more infrastructure, more homes, everything else. So most people, and I couldn't find the num- exact numbers of the population of Vargas at in 99 at this time. Um, several, like, I saw like two to... Th- 300,000, something like that. Um, anyway, most most people lived on this little narrow strip of coastline sure. in Vargas. Because if there's mountains, like nobody's really living in the mountains. Everybody's li- living on the coast. Um, well, the coastline is just probably where it's at. Yeah. It's probably, and it's probably the most expensive and it's real an estate. it's area, and yeah. And in that state. Yeah. So, Country, so that made it even more densely populated. So a lot of people in this small strip of this state. Um, and many of these people also lived on alluvial fans. Okay. Do you know what an alluvial <laughs> fan is? I have no idea. Me neither until I looked it up. So alluvial fans are created when, or usually created anyway, when water flows through mountains, hills, canyons, like other topography like that, and it takes alluvium with it. And alluvium is like sediment, sand, gravel, other oh, okay. like um, debris that the water, sure. water gathers. So the rushing water is like coming down the mountains, and when it hits like flat coastline it fans out like it comes out in like a cone shape okay and that's called an alluvial fan it's how the water spreads out i'm sure my hand motions are helping our audience they are so much (laughs) well they're helping me there you go um because the coastal mountains are to the south of vargas it makes sense that there are alluvial fans here so the water comes down these mountains towards the coast um, hits the coastline and then spreads out. And, and so people were living or are living in these alluvial fans, these areas that were sort of created by previous landslides, essentially. Mm. Um, these Oh, that just sets it up even worse. Exactly. So these, these um, areas have already experienced 
this type of phenomenon, mm-hmm. you know. So it it, it kind of sets it up for a, yeah happening again in the future. And there are alluvial fans are subject to flooding. Um, they also tend to be somewhat convex, so sort of. Um, puffed up slightly instead of just being completely flat or concave like dipping inwards Mm -hmm. they sort of go out which makes the water like spread even faster and farther than it would if um they were flat or concave and interestingly i thought this was really interesting alluvial fans have been found on mars oh that is pretty interesting Yeah. yeah Anyway. That means get... there was once water on Mars. Well, see, so that's the which interesting we already, thing. Which we already kind of know. I didn't know that. Yes, they discovered that a couple years ago. Mm. The possibility is very great. Okay. Because there are canals up on Mars. Well, and alluvial fans. Mm-hmm. So there you go. So in December of 1999, uh, it was an unusually rainy month in north-central Venezuela in the Vargas state. Uh, so, so the rainy season in Venezuela, or this part of Venezuela, was May to October. Okay. And this is December. Mm-hmm. And they're so getting dumped on. It's way past... Yes, it, it is usually the, part the, of the dry season. The normal season. part of the season. Mm-hmm. There was a storm early in December that dumped about eight inches in two days. Eight inches of water in two days in the dry season. So, then between December 14th and 16th, over a span of 52 hours, almost 36 inches of rain fell. Three feet of rainfall isn't, in, like, two days. Isn't basically. that kind of what fell uh, after one of these hurricanes uh, this past fall? Oh, like... Was it Houston that had, like, the record rainfall? Oh, I think it was something was like that. Three I, feet. It was close to three... I really? think it was close to that. Wow. And that was in a hurricane. This mm-hmm. isn't... That was aren't... after the hurricane. Oh, okay. It was already... Okay. It, they just got a monster rainstorm. Gotcha. Because of it, obviously. But, gotcha. But that... I but, mean, that was in the summer, at but, least. This is, like, mm-hmm. not when anyone is expecting it. Now you can see why there's about to be a landslide. Exactly. Um... Because so, everything's been dry for a couple of months, like it normally, and then you're getting a whole bunch pounded by rain for a month, basically, mm-hmm. or a couple weeks. Um, now, 36 inches that fell in this time period when these landslides happen was about the average amount of rain this region generally sees in a year. Oh God! And it all fell in like just over 48 hours. At one point, early in the morning on December 16th, so closer to the end of this whole disaster, nearly three inches of rain fell in one hour. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so now, the areas along the coast actually received a lot less rain than some of the areas upstream in the mountains, but this is was still a huge problem because the... The rain in the mountains was going to find its way down to the coast, which was the whole issue with the mudslide. So around 8 p.m., sorry, we're both getting horribly distracted by (laughs) our cat being adorable. He doesn't sleep like that very often either. No, he doesn't. Okay. (laughs) Back to the terrible thing. (laughs) This is not going to become the cute cat podcast. (laughs) The cute cat podcast. No. All right, so around 8 p.m. on December 15th, runoff water began rushing down the mountains toward the coast, picking up sediment and debris along the way. Mm. 
thousands of other small landslides, stripped more soil and rock, and started mudslides down the mountain, like creating like a domino effect. Mm-hmm. Debris as large as big boulders and tree trunks, so huge bits of debris, were being just swept down. Chunks the of earth. Yes. Are just. Yes. Oh. Um, the debris flow was traveling traveling at an es- at estimated speeds of eleven to forty eight feet per second. Oh my god! Or three point so three just... to fourteen point five meters. Now, if I did my math right, that means it was reaching speeds of up to thirty three miles per hour. Sure, I'll go with that. Yeah. Well, I, 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 <laughs> concur. I, I can't math right now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, but holy shit. So when the debris slides reached oh. the populated areas of the Vargas state, utter devastation quickly mm-hmm. ensued. Two-story homes were demolished. Yeah. The first couple stories of apartment buildings were destroyed. The total deposits of debris were estimated to be between 1.8 and 1.9 cubic mil- sorry, 1.8 and 1.9 <laughs> million cubic meters of debris. Wow. That's just—it's just a that's huge number. A shit, <laughs> but it's ton. enormous. That would, that would qualify as a shit ton. I believe that's a I metric believe. shit ton. Oh, okay, there we go. <laughs> Which is more Even than better. a shit ton. <laughs> a cubed shit ton. Yes. Uh, so the largest—this was the largest rainfall-induced debris flow deposits recorded in history. Oh my god! Really? Yes. Damages were estimated to be up. To three and a half billion U.S. dollars, which just in for inflation is over five billion today. Mm-hmm. Over eight thousand homes and seven hundred apartment buildings were destroyed. Approximately seventy-five thousand people were left homeless. Sure. Much of the infrastructure of the area was damaged, and in some places, public utilities stopped altogether. Sure. And roads like disappeared. They were just not there. Anymore. Yeah, they had a. They had a, however million tons of cubic square uh, one point cubic uh, zirconium two <laughs> feet whatever it was almost two million <laughs> cubic square meters yeah or cubic square cubic square <laughs> cubic meters there's a there's a mini documentary on YouTube called When the World Became Mud oh, about this. And it has interviews with people in Vargas right after the tragedy. And in it, one man who lived through the disaster described the slide as, quote, a wave which ate everything. Oh, my God. And said, quote, it was an unchained monster. Yeah. Yeah. And a woman who survived said, quote, it was a sea of mud and houses and people dragging along. Oh, Jesus. Isn't that awful? Not awful. And of course, unfortunately, there were the deaths. Mm-hmm. Now, I left it kind of ambiguous in the beginning. I said thousands. Mm-hmm. It's because it has to be qualified a little bit. So the death toll is estimated, completely estimated. Um, the minimum estimate, like the smallest estimate that anyone's ever come up with, is 10,000 people. Oh my God. The Holy maximum shit. that anyone's come up with is over 50,000. Jesus. 10 to 30,000 seems to be like the kind of agreed upon. But even that's a huge range and just a massive number of people. Um, and, and for everybody, it was probably pretty instant. 
Well, so... I hope, anyway. Oh, well, you can hope. It's, yeah. But there were also stories of people, like, getting caught on roofs oh, and then getting sh- wiped oh, yeah, off, sure. you know? Of course. So, yeah, it, it was not good. Only about 1,000 bodies were recovered. Oh, yeah. The rest had been swept out to sea or buried in the mud. Mm-hmm. So, And you're not awful. ever getting them out. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Because once that... The mud settles, it becomes yeah, land. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. God. So, it, upwards of 30,000 people, Possibly maybe more. Possibly Oh, my... Oh, wow. Isn't that... And I had never heard of this before. No. Tens of thousands of people gone like that. Well, gone in one single instance. You know? It's, it's horrible. So... It gets kind of interesting in the aftermath, too. So the first order of business was to evacuate the survivors. Sure. You know, and eventually over 100,000 residents were evacuated from the area, although some people did refuse to leave, wanting to stay, you know, near their homes. Totally understandable, you know. Then president, do you know who was the Venezuelan president in 1999? It's know. a name you'll recognize. I don't know who it is now, but Hugo uh, Chavez. Oh, it's yes, oh, okay. it was Chavez. Even back then, he had so been. So that's almost twenty years. He had been in office for ten months at the time. <laughs> um, he asked Venezuelans. Interesting to see how he deals with this. Oh okay. yeah, listen to this. He asked Venezuelans to take in the survivors. You know, like uh, adopt a family. Um, And temporary shelters were set up for children who were orphaned in the disaster. And Chavez initially took help from other countries when it was offered. But unfortunately, things quickly turned political, as they tend to after a tragedy, ahem, ahem, United States, ahem, ahem, mass shooting. Well, that would be just about any country. Not the mass shooting part. No, uh, that's just us. But the turns political part. Yes. Um, so the U.S. offered aid that included 450 Marines and Naval Engineers, which Venezuelan Defense Minister Raul Salazar initially accepted, but then Chavez told him to decline the offer. Salazar was furious at this. He was like, why are you doing that? But he, he followed his boss's orders. He followed Chavez's orders. Salazar was convinced the reason Chavez declined the U.S. aid was that he had been talking to one Mr. Fidel Castro, who was not a friend of the United States. So basically, like, oh, shouldn't you be dealing with this yourself? Aren't you a brilliant socialist leader, you know, or communist leader? Um, Why are you accepting help from the Americans? And so he turned it down. Okay. See, I was reading it as... He thought that they were going to be there to spy on him somehow. Well, That's how maybe I was that too. It. Maybe it was a paranoia thing yeah. too. That very that could be. That yeah, that Probably was both. just my interpretation. Yeah, yeah. And, Chavez, we know, and we know he's turned out to be uh, well. Like uh, I wouldn't say an actual dictator, but has those tendencies. Well, let's keep going. Yeah. So Chavez thought Venezuela needed to show a more revolutionary image. And accepting aid from the U.S. would undermine that. So they bought him a Che Guevara t-shirt. <laughs> che! Despite receiving millions of dollars from other countries and freeing up millions in domestic aid, ultimately Chavez actually did very little to help Vargas recover. Sure. 
And this led to accusations of corruption. Where did that money go, if not to help the victims? So... Chavez. Some, something a former New Jersey governor is going to have to actually testify <laughs> oh, to in the next couple really? of months. Really? I didn't know. Mm-hmm. This will not become the politics podcast. It will not. Although we kind of are getting a little political now anyway. Um, Chavez also... We are talking about a, a, a world-famous politician. We are. We are. I don't know if Chris Christie is... No, no, no. I was talking famous. about Chavez. No, I know. I'm just saying, like, by extension. <laughs> well, he's, he, he's, a, he's a national jackass. Yes, he is. <laughs> Let's hope he doesn't make it to the world stage. So Chavez also came under scrutiny for not taking action to evacuate Vargas earlier. Because I mean, this had happened um, twice a century, you know, in, in this area, and there were torrential rains, so there's this, a, the writing was on the wall. There's a risk in this area. You just had a freak rainstorm Huge over a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Um whatever kind of emergency management. Right. And maybe they do or don't have an agency for that. I'm going to guess they do. It's a coastal... Or just it's the government's responsibility to respond to things like that. Like somebody probably should have rung a bell and somebody said, like, hey... Get these people out of there because there could be... Yeah. Yeah. There could be a landslide. There there could just be a flood. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. so... But the timing worked out such that on December 15th, so in the middle of this, this three days that the disaster sort of went over, the Venezuelan government was holding a referendum on a new constitution. Oh. So Chavez's Hmm. focus and the focus of the military and the police was elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So they weren't paying great attention to that. Life was hard for the refugees from Vargas, and they weren't very well received by their countrymen. So they were kind of like, People without a home. Um, Even though he told them, you know. Yeah, like adopt a family and yeah. all that. Yeah, there. I, I, I don't. I didn't. I, I could have gone delve deeper into that, but I got the impression that there was like, you know, regional biases, you know, sort of thing. So people were kind of. Plus, there's. I'm sure there was a lot of class issues too. I was thinking that as well. Yeah. So. The people in Vargas were probably more well off. I'm gonna guess. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure. So some survivors went back to the area to try to rebuild, and by 2006, the population rose back up to 1999 levels. Okay. So they rebuilt the population. Regardless, even over a decade after the disaster, thousands were still homeless, and real really? estate values had tanked. Sure. Vargas is considered a bit of a shell of its former self even today. Um, Those who still live there do have the very valid concern that this could happen again. If it happens every couple of... It likely will. Yeah, a couple times a century, yeah. Um, As Vargas resident Olga Hedler put it, quote, We live without knowing if another mudslide is going to come exactly like before. In fact... It would be worse because there are so many dilapidated buildings here. Sure. And that's an absolutely great point that so many, so much of the infrastructure is already pretty messed up even still, you know, from this one disaster that if it happened again, it would probably crumble a lot faster and a lot worse. The and, li- and whatever infrastructure they have rebuilt, well, would just Has fall apart just again. Probably, but I was just going to say, was probably just put up. Hastily, maybe? Yeah. 
It, it would be hard to That would be my out. guess, but it, no? yeah. The landslides changed the coast of Vargas, like the actual oh, okay. uh, the actual geography. The settled sediment pushed the coast several meters farther out to sea, so it extended the sure. coastline, forever altering the landscape. And sadly, there are still thousands of people buried in that yeah. coastline. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine, like, walking on the beach and being like, there's a there bunch of people underneath There could here. be a thousand people underneath me yeah. right now. Yeah. yeah. And they're, oh, no. Isn't that awful? Let's never go to that part of Venezuela. You were just saying <laughs> we should visit. <laughs> Not there. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> so not to end on a complete bummer of a note, there is a nice little story about a Rottweiler named Orion. Okay. Who saved 37 people from floods by pulling them from the water. Really? No shit. Orion was honored by the Venezuelan government with a certificate and a medal. Like how? He, he, he was just, just one by one? Just... Big ass dog and was able to, yeah. Really? He must have had good instincts or training. And then here's a picture of the mudslide oh throughout Vargas. And you can see, well, not anymore, but you can see what this area once was. Well, yeah, like it's a it, it bustling looks, coastal mm-hmm, town. It looks pretty built up. There, You can tell there's some nice hotels and stuff, mm-hmm. so... The coast is right there, and plus the mountains aren't very far away. Right. It's it, so, it, Geographically, it's like a perfect location. Except for the whole mudslide part. Well, and the, oh, being on, built on alluvial fan and all that. So, yeah. So, dear people of Vargas, please stay it safe. It looks like somebody oh just took like an eraser. It was just it, like, like, scr- like on Microsoft out. MS Paint. And, yeah, just yeah. scribbled out a bunch of territory. I know. There's there's a lot of um, like videos and uh, pictures of the aftermath of Jesus. it, and it's it's horrible. Yeah, I mean on on numbers levels, this is up there and tragedies, tens of thousands of people. Yeah, so. that's well, you said uh, highest possibly like fifty thousand. That, that was, was the so apparently the Red Cross initially released that as the possible number, and it's it's hard to know for so many reasons. I mean, you can't it like record keeping maybe not being brilliant in that place and time, and like the government being what it was and what it is in Venezuela and. There were probably a lot of political reasons to minimize it, maybe some political reasons to maximize it. Who knows, you know? True. So it, it was all very sort of loosey-goosey and figuring it out. But suffice it to say, thousands of people were there before and then weren't there after. And mm. they only found a 1,000 people. So that's, oh. that's crazy to me that they, like... They found at best 10% of the oh, people. Everyone yeah. else was just missing. And gone, and that would be so hard as like the, as the family you would know what happened to your loved. You one. could know your you could know you're possibly standing on top of them. Oh at, my at god, point. that's horrible. That's but, oh, <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> that's terrible. I didn't think it was gonna sound that bad. Right? But wow, that, that's yes. pretty terrible. Yes, that's horrible. That's but that's it's psychologically also tr- devastating. But, but it's also true. Yeah. Yeah. So that was La Tragedia de Vargas, the Vargas I'm not, tragedy. I'm not going to try to say that. That's okay. I, 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 I did enjoy 
I don't enjoy anything we talk about. Obviously. Yeah, no, not the fact that it happened. But uh, this was definitely a new time, and you forget how deadly, like a landslide, right? Rain and just rain carrying shit downhill. Yeah, yeah that's all it was. But that was chunks of rock, tree, yeah, boulders, tree trunks. Yeah, Jesus, yeah, and then and then the. How those people died is pretty bad. Uh, hopefully, most of drowning. it drowning. Hopefully, most of them. I hope it was sudden. Like they're sitting in their they're sitting in their condo, whatever, watching TV, and then done. Uh, I hope that's how most of those. But you know, drowning isn't a pleasant way to go. I kind of no. doubt it was really that quick. <sighs> and drowning in mud. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, no, thank you. Oh, rest in peace. Poor people of Vargas who died. That's sad. Yes. That's very sad. And uh, until that happened, I would have visited. <laughs> yeah, when you were like, it's, oh, we should go sounded, there once it gets cleaned up. I'm like, you're, it, I don't know that you're going to want to go here. It sounded gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, well. It, it really it, did. Geographically, it's a beautiful place. Yeah. It's just the, the geography itself, and that's what's so amazing. The beautiful mountains, the beautiful coastline, that combination is the problem. Mm-hmm. Is what caused all yes. this in the first place. Yes. So what it's that like what is it that sort of poetic like what makes it beautiful makes it deadly. Sure. You know. Yeah. Uh uh-huh. Another another way I do not want to go out is in a landslide. Okay. Or being crushed or noted. Fired. All of these things pretty much we've talked about. Yes. I there there's not many good ones. <laughs> <laughs> not many good ways to go. Uh, so well, we clearly have we haven't covered. Um, the number of people who have died peacefully in their sleep at an old age. No, that's the special episode we have coming up. We're just gonna. It'll be the heartwarming Christmas episode. It's gonna be a list of names, and they'll all have that one thing in common. They were they were just super happy. Went to sleep one night, didn't wake up, and they were old. Yes, it was wonderful. Yes, (laughs) but this will not become the wonderful podcast. (laughs) No, it is called all bad things after all. So once again, that was the. Vargas tragedy. What was the other name? La Tragedia de Vargas. La La Tragedia. La Tragedia. Hedia. La Tragedia de Vargas. Very good. Thank you very much. Hmm. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week.